said they hoped you would learn a lesson from impeachment. What lesson did you learn from impeachment? Uh, that the Democrats are crooked. They've got a lot of crooked things going. That they're vicious. Uh, that uh, they shouldn't have brought impeachment. Anything and that my poll numbers are 10 points higher because of fake news like NBC, which reports the news very inaccurately, probably more inaccurately than CNN, if that's possible. Oh, boy. Okay. The contrite president. So the president, one New York billionaire, and a different New York billionaire, Michael Bloomberg, who's running for president, uh, getting into a bit of a Twitter spat today. We'll run through some of those tweets coming up. It is not our greatest moment. It's not uh, Adams versus Jefferson. It's not Lincoln-Douglas debates. No. And um, if this is where we are in February, what is it going to be come October? If these are the two candidates going at each other. It's pretty entertaining, though. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Also, oh boy. I know Joe's got some more booze news for us. It is really an interesting glimpse at how societies evolve. It's, it's intriguing. Stay with us. I fear Have a, a drink. I fear a major comeuppance coming in this country financially. It just, it's, it just, it just has that 2008 feeling to me, or shut up, or 2005 shut up. really. Somebody turn off his microphone. 2005 really, uh, for for where I lived. Yeah. Um, Stockton was ground zero for the whole thing blowing up, but I remember Stocktown, California. Yeah, I remember um, a businessman we knew after the housing crash saying because uh, he had a lot of employees and saying I knew I knew something was up because I had employees buying houses that. They shouldn't have been able to afford. Mm. And I just, I knew something was going on there. Oh, that's one of the uh, fake Bloomberg controversies going on right now. Well, it will be very short-lived because the nation's media and uh, their friends, the Democratic establishment, have said, we're not going to talk about this. And so they won't. But he said, look, one of the big reasons for the crash was uh, the end of redlining, where Barney Frank and, and the Clinton administration forced banks to lend to people who really couldn't afford to take out loans. And then the banks repackaged those loans and sold them to Wall Street, blah, 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 credit default swaps, whatever. He, he was, he's on tape saying that. And so they're trying to, uh, you know, Bernie and, and company are trying to stick him with that. But it's, it's indisputably true. It played a big role in it. Credit. That's, that's, you're not supposed to say that. So the, the economy is going great, right? And everybody's feeling good. And we've been reading all those Gallup numbers. 90% of people are satisfied. And uh, 75% of people think they'll be better off next year than this year. I was, I was 401ks are getting fat. I was happy to hear those stories. Now I read this and I think, eh, I mean, that's good. People are feeling too good. Uh-oh. People are forgetting history. People are forgetting the cycle of life. Uh, assuming things are going to be better next year causes people to act in crazy ways. Do you remember my favorite uh, stock market advice from Warren Buffett? When everyone is greedy, I get scared. And when everyone is scared, I get greedy. And everybody appears to be, like, super happy. Oh, yeah. Good times are rolling and they'll last forever. Correct. Which is impossible, by the way. Credit card debt is higher than ever. USA Today without an article uh, with an article today. Experian, which is the giant corporation that controls so much of credit and got hacked by the Chinese government. Americans have at least four cards on average with an average balance of almost $6,200 on each card. What? Yeah. Credit card debt is as highest it's ever been. So the economy... Wasn't Equifax who got hacked? The, uh, I thought it was Experian. Oh, whatever. Right. Yeah, Equifax was okay. the hack one. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
what did this Experian got? Fake news. Experian, no, something happened with Experian. Yeah, probably. No, it might not have been the Chinese government. Yeah, it was something, though. You're right. Whatever. It was something. Um, the country's outstanding credit card and other types of revolving debt have jumped almost 20% from a decade ago, reaching an all-time high of about $1.1 trillion. According to a recent study, the average balance on a credit card is now almost $6,200, with the average uh, family having four cards. Um, and Americans have more room to run up debt because they're well short of their credit limit, and there's no reason to think we're not headed toward uh, reaching that limit. Oh, don't, don't, don't your credit limit, don't, don't even look at that. That's not your limit. Your limit is what you can comfortably afford. I don't know. I don't know. If I couldn't comfortably afford it, why would they give it to me, Joe? Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, I stand corrected. If you have credit card debt when times are good, it means you probably aren't putting away as much money as you should for when things eventually go south. Notice the word eventually, not if. It's 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 when. Right. Because it will happen. Well, yeah, there will be cycles. There are cycles. There will always be cycles. Yeah, that scares me. That really does. Yeah. Um, well... I don't want to lecture people all the time about, you know, Dave Ramsey's got that corner uh, tied up, but about how they spend their money and save their money and the rest of it. But just lust. I, one of the best sermons I ever heard in a church was about lust. And the uh, the preacher was talking about the various sorts of lust that we feel. Um, and, and it's cheat. No, that's one kind. That's one of the your more notable sorts of lust, uh, Charles Krauthammer, the late, great Charles Krauthammer. Um, but there's lust for status. There's lust for material goods. There's lust for wealth. Uh, you know, pride is a sort of lust and just, you got to recognize it in yourself. Wait a minute. Is this, is this a healthy appetite? Am I pursuing vitamins that will make me stronger or is this? gobbling junk food that will be do nothing for my soul. And, uh, you know, if you can recognize that in yourself, you'll avoid a lot of stupid, stupid spending. This is not something I need. This is something I lust for, that if I was a stronger person, I probably wouldn't want it all. And again, as I'm lecturing you, I'm lecturing me. Oh, sure. Because we all fight this all the time. And the whole keeping up with the Joneses thing is a real uh, impulse. It absolutely is. As everybody around you, you know, their quality of clothes, cars, size of houses, trips that you hear about, as all that rises, there's a like a feeling of expectation for you, your wife, your husband, your kids, everybody, that that's what you should be doing, too. It's a little embarrassing if you're not. Or you're just missing out on life or being yeah. too stingy or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably well, I want anthropo- to move into a cave and live simply. It's probably anthropological. It's probably, this is what everybody around me is doing. They're surviving, so right. I should be doing the same thing. It's probably, you know, built into us. You know, that's worth remembering. And you'd think science would be a little farther along. Maybe it is, and we just don't pay attention. That after, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of Homo sapiens kicking around, at least according to the science I subscribe to, please write your angry theological letters, uh, you know, and address them to Jack. Uh, but anyway, you know, we adapted over a very, very long time to survive. And then in the last, you know, couple of centuries, life has changed completely. And so it's not shocking that we're ill-equipped as a beast to, you know, the, 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 the acorns don't grow in trees anymore. They're, I don't know, they're they're at the bottom of rivers. Yeah. And so squirrels don't know what to do. The smart thing to do would be to not behave the way the people around you are behaving. And that's not the way that you would have survived 
back in the day. Right. Cavemen. Well, it's arguably smart. I think now it would be. Well, financially. Absolutely yeah. would well, be. Live in a small yes. house, drive uh, cheaper cars, um, uh, take smaller trips. Would be smarter than doing what the crowd does. Virtually every time we talk about this sort of thing, we get a couple of emails, or, or at least one from somebody who says, look, my wife and I agreed, Sarah, 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 uh, we bring in X amount, and it's usually very modest. We live quite well. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do that. I have a 12-year-old car. She has a 10-year-old car. We uh, you know, we, we have only one streaming service or none. Or, and these people are living quite nicely, and we serve, I'm sorry, we save X amount per month. They have made the deliberate decision to get off the uh, consumerist carousel, mm-hmm. and they've lived quite well, and they will retire quite nicely. It's hard for people to do. It's hard for me to do. I don't want to do it. Sure. I was uh, talking to another guy the, other, a guy the other day, a successful guy, but he and his wife started out, they decided to live in a town that is not the town that you brag to people you live in, um, bought a house there because it was so much cheaper, Paid it off and have been able to. Now kids are growing up in the nice colleges that they're paying cash for. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've crafted this life by avoiding the comparing themselves to others or worrying about what other people think. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to do. Really hard thing to do. It takes a great amount of um, self-confidence or something to do that. Where do they live? Crapville? <laughs> or is it Dumpy Acres? No, it's a perfectly okay place, but with the income they had, they could have lived... In a much more I brag, you live their neighborhood. Exactly, you're a more. Oh, what what do they say in the real estate business? You're you're higher status zip codes. Yeah, you're desirable zip codes. And by passing that up, that did completely change their financial life. You know, but the yeah. Well, I don't want to get too far down this road, but I have seen in the real estate business where you have House A and House B, which are across the street from each other, like a little residential street, but one is in the desirable zip code and the other one is not, and there will be a 20% difference in the price of those houses. You know, what does that say about humanity? I'm not sure exactly, but it's uh, it's real. And again, real ladies thing. and gentlemen, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me, actually. Yeah, I know it. I know it. We got a reckoning coming with all that credit card debt when things do go south. Buy gold from William Devane. <laughs> That's my advice. Gold is a hedge. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Battle of the old billionaire New Yorkers. One's the president, one uh, wants to be. And they're in a Twitter war today of sorts. No Texas oil men want in or anything? No No Seattle tech guys? Well, I guess there are tech guys. Tom Steyer. So I was trying to figure out who started this today. I mean, this goes back, I'm sure, many, many years between Donald Trump and Michael Bloomberg. A couple of billionaires who live in the same town um, and probably have disliked each other forever. Trump's first tweet about Bloomberg today was four hours ago. When was Bloomberg's first tweet about Trump? Uh, which which was the first? The mini Mike tweet? Yeah, the first one today I've got. Yeah, he so your... replied almost immediately. So, But I was trying to figure out who started it. So you got Bloomberg <laughs> earlier in the day? Trump started it? Uh, I think it? Trump started it. Okay. Bloomberg's people, I assume he has people doing this, are tweeting like uh, like crazy. I think Trump is his own Twitter. 
Oh, I do, too. Yeah. Well, okay. he, he doesn't have people. He's just doing it. He's just sitting there with his thumbs uh, doing it. So four hours ago, Donald Trump tweeted out, Mini Mike Bloomberg is a loser who has money but can't debate and has zero presence. You will see. He reminds me of a tiny version of Jeb Low Energy Bush. But Jeb had more political skill and has treated the black community much better than many. So he's going to go with... <laughs> Bloomberg is a mini Jeb. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bloomberg responded to that. Well, no, he didn't. I thought the other one was the first one. The other mini Mike. Okay. So, so then, uh, Trump, not content, went on. Mini Mike is a five foot four inch mass of dead energy who does not want to be on the debate stage with these professional politicians. No boxes, please. Ooh. He hates crazy Bernie and will, with enough money, possibly stop him. Bernie's people will go nuts! Exclamation point. So, again, hanging with the he's short theme, Bloomberg had enough. You can only push him so far, he responded. We know many of the same people in New York. Behind your back, they laugh at you and call you a carnival barking clown. That a thing? <laughs> barking clowns? They don't, no, watch. It's so funny. They don't talk. They just bark at each other. Anyway, where was I? They know you inherited a fortune and squandered it with stupid deals and incompetence. I have the record and the resources to defeat you, and I will. And that appears to be the end of his direct shots at Trump. I have the resources. That's just I'm, I'm rich enough to do this. Yeah. Is Trump bothered by that shot? I would think at this point, see, I am president. Um, I uh, The economy's got the best numbers in a whole bunch of different ways that have ever been measured. Uh, whatever, yeah. I would think, but I'm not sure. I don't think Trump has no. the whatever gene in his body. I don't think body. he does either. And I think if there is a a pressure point for him, it's you're not as rich as you say you are. Yeah. I, I always thought that's why he didn't want to release the taxes. Yeah, that's my theory, too. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. The two of them going back and forth will be entertaining as hell. I mean, there's no denying that. I'm not sure it's good for the country. What if that will be an issue this election, the whole releasing the taxes thing again? Yeah, a little bit. They'll keep hammering it. Will Bloomberg release his taxes? I don't know. They would have to be very complicated. See, any businessman who releases their taxes, the anti-rich, anti-business, everybody-should-work-for-the-government crowd, will pick apart ways that they used the tax code that benefited them. Oh, yeah. And a lot of it will be either half-accurate or misleading or, or completely dishonest. But Or act like it's a horror that they utilized tax laws that exist. Right. And Congress has no interest in changing them. Right, exactly. But yeah. so would Bloomberg's taxes would have to be insane. You'd have oh, oh, to have yeah. a team of accountants for months to pour over him. Correct, yeah. And you could find plenty of ways to bash him for that, mm-hmm. for whatever you found in there. So, I don't know. Bloomberg right, might just go with, I'll release mine when he releases his. and just we'll no, have two. You can't, If you're going against Trump, you have to release yours and say, what are you talking about? It's complicated. Look, here's but mine. But I'm telling you, Bloomberg's going to have stuff in his taxes that is unpalatable to a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lovely idea, except that he doesn't want to. <laughs> I mean, just because he's a businessman and he's got tax lawyers saying that you should not, do this and you should do that. he's not really in the fight to stop Trump then mm. if he's not willing to do that. Whoa, it's a litmus test or something. I think so. <laughs> I, I, it's, it it's, might be. I don't know. It's, again, it's one of the pressure points that you have to apply against Trump, in my opinion. 
and uh, and not a pressure point in terms of politically active, but just in terms of getting under his skin. That would be very a very effective uh, week of news coverage. I he feel. can run so moderate eventually if he wants to, though, because he was a Republican for a long time. Yeah. He was the Republican mayor of New York City. It's funny. I mentioned that he's more or less a moderate the other day and got a couple of outraged emails. What are you talking about? He's, uh, you know, it's it just illustrates most political labels, labels are useless when you get to real human beings, honestly. But in terms of being pro-free market, he's pretty good. I like him. Aside from telling me what size soda I can drink. Well, I was going to get there. In terms of being comfortable with the nanny state trying to run people's lives, the guy horrifies me. Second uh, Second Amendment-wise, he's a nightmare. But next to Bernie, in terms of just the functioning of the economy and how I think the economy would do under him, I mean, he's way, way, way better than like a Bernie. So, I don't know. Call him whatever you want. Well, I remember uh, yeah, both sides do this to a certain extent, and I, uh, I don't like it. But I remember Newt Gingrich saying once, right-wing social engineering is just as bad as so- left-wing social engineering. The whole, I'm going to decide how big a soda you can have to try to affect obesity in the country. Right. Well, what the hell is that? Right. Right. Well, it's awful. And stupid. And infantilizes people. The government is going to make every decision for you. Do you think that yields a stronger, more intelligent and independent populace? No, it yields a bunch of sheep, honestly. And I'll just order two sodas. Damn it, foils! You haven't affected how much soda I'm going to drink. It's just so stupid. But if How this, could anybody be in favor of it? And this guy's running for president. But if this is their Twitter war in February, if they're the two candidates, uh, this is going to be something uh, all through the summer. I certainly hope so. Oh, my God. Come on, oh, we fellas. didn't get to the other Bloomberg one. Oh, what? man, oh, there's oh, another wait. one. Stay with us. I forgot. Armstrong and Getty. Gail King, I publicly tore you down by coming at you in a derogatory manner based off of emotions, me being angry at questions that you asked, overreacted. So I would like to apologize to you publicly for the language that I used and calling you out of your name and just being disrespectful. I didn't mean for it to be like that. I was just expressing myself for a friend that wasn't here to defend himself. I apologize. Hopefully we can sit down and talk privately. Have a good day. Well, that's one dog that will not win the Westminster Dog Show, Snoop Dogg. Maybe you should. I'm glad I got out of your way. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was very gentlemanly of him. That was Snoop Dogg apologizing. That was a real for... apology. Listen, I, I got a little mad. I said things I shouldn't have. I apologize. Yeah, He said Remind some pretty me. nasty things about Gail King, who really wasn't involved in the way a promo was put together that highlighted too much about Kobe's rape case to Snoop's liking. Yeah. But it appears everybody's fine now. Well, everybody except, you know, Mr. Bryant and his... his and now competing in the country. rapper breed, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Notice his hindquarters. Oh, boy. I never have. <laughs> oh, brothers. Oh, we we got to finish up the Trump of uh, Bloomberg battle. Do we? So okay. They, they went back and forth. Trump <laughs> said, uh, you're short. You're, you're like a uh, short Jeb Bush is what you are. Oh, that's hurtful. <laughs> He's a uh, he's a little mass of dead energy, dead energy. Oh yeah, and then then so Bloomberg said, "Oh yeah, everybody thinks you're a joke, and your dad gave you your money." Oh boy, and uh, and then Bloomberg went on to tell CBS News, I guess, or somebody, 
Donald, where I come from, we measure your height from your neck up. Which That's an odd thing to say. Is not the best blast I've ever heard. It doesn't even make any sense. I guess it's supposed to be how big your brain is is more important than your height. Well, I Every, Everything it's... really is more important than your height. Uh, unless you're trying to get a ride at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> trying to reach something on a top shelf. It doesn't play that big a role in my life. Yeah, wow. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, so a, a quick note. Um, what? Uh, yeah, we got time. Um, I'm looking at this uh, article we were talking about earlier about how the uh, beer sales are declining, wine sales are declining for the first time ever. The hard seltzer thing is exploding, and the booze manufacturers are putting alcohol in everything, trying to see what sells, and and it's selling pretty well. But more interesting than that, perhaps, is that a third of Generation Z spirits drinkers say they have taken an extended break from alcohol in the past six months, underage drinking, underage drinking has fallen dramatically from previous generations. Um, they, Is that because there's more other stuff happening? I don't know. I don't know either. It's, it's, it's a study by the booze business. I'm sure they're trying to figure that out as hard as they can, but they don't uh, say that they know. Another demographic change that may account for the shift away from higher alcohol beverages, an aging population. Generally speaking, alcohol consumption and binge drinking decreases with age. Hangovers just can't take it. Hangovers increase with age, was my yes. experience. Yes. Well, and listen, as a guy who's arguably middle-aged. <laughs> severity or frequency? <laughs> Uh, both, but I remember when I was like in my early twenties, people would talk about hangovers, and I'd think, hmm, I, I, I amateurs. I've read about it, or I, I didn't even really understand what they're talking about. Because no matter what I did, I felt fine. <laughs> but uh, you know, that went away quickly as I got older. Well, and to finish my thought about middle age, all that advice you heard from your mom and your doctor and your boss or whatever about, you know, use your legs, not your back, mix in some fiber, you know, <laughs> the amount you drink, just all that advice that you thought was stupid and, and just nanny crap when you're 30. Stay and Stay out of the sun. You kind of see the point of it when you're 40. You hit 50, you realize, oh, Oh, right. Yes, now I get it. All those sunburns, not a good idea. Right. Now me and my, my friends are getting stuff carved out of us. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I need fiber. You do need fiber, <laughs> Michael. I can recommend a nice uh, psyllium fiber capsule for you. You feeling stopped up today? Oh, boy. Uh, no. You don't have to answer that, That's Michael. okay. <laughs> Let's continue on. Tell you what. You, you take these capsules, you'll be as regular as can be. Like, like a clock, Michael. Don't get too far from the nearest bathroom, though. Yeah. Oh, so interestingly, Jack, and this is the one of the reasons I brought it up. You have Generation Z and younger drinking less and in a more measured way. But whining more. Exactly. Failing to buy bedspreads. Um, <laughs> and and in general, alcohol use is falling, but. Alcohol-related deaths have more than doubled over the last 20 years. Okay, explain that. It's got to be... Aging population, is that Well, it? no, I think it's no? the miserable are drinking themselves to death. So these are the deaths of, the dis- of despair, they yes, call them? Yes, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. God, booze is be a heck of a way to kill yourself. 73,000 oh. deaths in the U.S. because of liver disease and other alcohol-related illnesses um, in 2017. Um, the researchers too drunk to get the data together for 2018 yet, apparently. But 73,000 deaths. 
which is um, which is rough. Yeah, that's a lot. That's more Stunning. than double car crashes. Um, I guess the the reason it doesn't get so much attention is the feeling that well you're doing it to yourself. So right, yeah. Which and there's some truth yeah. to that. Oh yeah. I I I believe to my bones that liberty means nothing if you are forbidden from making bad choices because everybody has a different definition of what those choices are. I know somebody who drank themselves to death fairly uh, recently, in the last couple of years, and I know family members who uh, were quite un. Happy about that. Oh, my God. I'm sure. So it wasn't just his decision to do that. But, but here's a sobering uh, you know, thought that I've offered before. Literally a sobering thought. Tour to morgue, county morgue. Somebody said, who's your typical customer? And the coroner said, middle-aged male, overweight, alcoholic. Dote. No the words of Homer Simpson. Hey, Simpsons. easy. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, so are you or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's the uh, the trends. Today's drinking trends. And mentioned this story earlier. I really like this story just because I like beating up universities anytime I can. I yes. really do. I really well, I've got to follow up on that absolutely unspeakably idiotic walkout at Stanford Law the other day. Coming up, stay with us. This is particularly at the, uh, the foot of Harvard and Yale who are taking gazillions of dollars from China in Saudi Arabia, among other evil regimes, and not reporting it, even though it is the law. Why don't they report it? Well, because it'd be embarrassing. That's why that you have all these ridiculous guidelines for pronouns and free speech and all this crap. Harvard, who uh, made a big deal out of Elizabeth Warren being on their law staff as a woman of color. That's how stupid all that crap is. Right. Fired Larry Summers for saying, well, generally speaking, boys excel more at math than girls, just generally speaking. Behind the scenes, though, you're taking millions of dollars from China and Saudi Arabia. And hiding it. And hiding it. And then, of course, they expect something for it. Why do you think they're giving you that money? Well, they're just generous. The Chinese Communist Party just says, boy, that Harvard, they're doing a hell of a job educating young people. I, we ought to carve them off a little bit. No, are you kidding? They attach the leash to your neck, to your collar, and they yank it when they need to. So they, you know what? Amen to that, brother. Um, but they're trying to get countries around the world and universities throughout the U.S. on their hook. So the law is that any gift from a foreign source that exceeds $250,000 in value has to be reported. But Harvard and Yale took in at least $375 million in foreign gifts and contracts. In the uh, years that they looked at here, from places like, and where was that list? Uh, Qatar, China, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, in excess of, if you include all them, in excess of $6.6 billion. Yep. That is amazing. That's an amazing amount of money. And that is the kind of money you don't throw around expecting nothing in return, obviously. Yeah, that's something. Nearly our elite universities. Here's one of your, here's a good number for you. Nearly seventy percent of U.S. schools that received more than the two hundred fifty thousand dollars didn't report it. Did not. Did not. More than seventy percent. So you get money from these foreign service sources and you don't report it. Yeah. Because it'd be embarrassing. You're taking money from Saudi Arabia where they beat women for looking the wrong direction. Sure. How can you be all into your, your homosexuals? How can you demand the professors learn the pronouns of their students when you're taking money from a country like that? China with millions of Muslims in concentration camps. 
your Muslim countries that would put millions of Chinese people in concentration camps if there were any there. So, yeah, just these loathsome regimes. All your crap about safe spaces. Well, of course, your student body would revolt if they knew, so you've got that, too. Great note from a recently graduated law student about the walkout at Stanford the other day. We'll uh, quickly bring you up to speed on that and and share that note with you. Uh, It's good stuff. Just moments. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. I'm going to have a Secretary of Education that this young trans person interviews on my behalf. And only if this person believes that our Secretary or Secretary of Education nominee is someone who is committed to creating a welcoming environment, a safe environment, and a full educational curriculum for everyone, will that person actually be advanced to be Secretary of Education? Let's see. Elizabeth Warren announcing her her policy of having transgender children interview her would-be cabinet members. Wow. And that was okay. particularly a trans child. If your child is a boy and happy about it, or, or, or likewise a girl... Elizabeth Warren has no interest in their point of view. <laughs> oh, God, she's so crazy. Tucker's right. She died of woke brain. <laughs> or her campaign did. Yeah. Speaking of woke brain, er, sorry, I covered it up. We told you the other day about this absolutely ludicrous walkout at, at uh, Stanford Law where they had the Solicitor General of Texas come in and as a guest lecturer say, all right, let's... Take a look at the arguments for and against overturning DACA. This is how we approach it on a national constitutional level, whatever. Huge crowd expected, so they reserved a big room. Well, You'd it turns out... think that would be of great interest to law students, because that's the whole thing about law. That's the whole blanking point, yes. But so, big room gets rented out, and uh, it turns out the Stanford Latinx Law Students Association which is one of those brand new terms we're all supposed to learn that I I suspect will last about six weeks, but along with 11 other student groups, stood up, turned their back, and marched out. And They refused to even hear these arguments. They were toting signs saying, no human being is illegal. Everyone is welcome here. Now, these are people that are, in theory, among the best legal brains in America. Or they have rich parents. I don't know which, but... Yes, um, yes. How's crew coming along? (laughs) (laughs) Counterpoint, these are also college students. And I've partied and met many college students. They're kind of stupid. They got a certain view of the world. Even the smart ones. It's like, eh. Yeah. That's a a decent point. He started out saying, look, I want to emphasize I'm making a purely legal argument. Um, Trump's motion that we're going to talk about did not say DACA was a bad policy. It didn't say DACA was unworkable. It just says that DACA is unlawful and uh, purely blah, blah, blah. And, and so we're going to take a look at, well, and, and the, uh, the SLLSA and other groups wrote in a joint statement, purely legalistic discussions of DACA ignore the human element, which must be front and center. We cannot afford to disregard the presence and importance of dreamers in all places, including here at Stanford Law School. 
which is just a bizarre and childish thing for somebody to say at a law school. Well, we got this note that I thought was terrific from, uh, whoops, wrong one. There it is. From, uh, can I use their, her name? Uh, yeah, Adriana. Who said, uh, when I graduated from law school in 2018, uh, blah, 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 I, um, I was in law school when the travel ban came out, and there were immediate calls from local immigration and social justice law firms seeking law students to assist in legal research for constitutional challenges. I assisted in this research, and it became clear, at least to me, very quickly, that not only was the policy not clearly unconstitutional, it probably was constitutional. <clears throat> Interesting. I, the Supreme Court uh, vindicated me later on, LOL. Fast forward a couple of days in the various minority student groups, and she names quite a few, managed or wanted to publish an open letter to the university condemning the travel ban, and part of the letter made the blanket assertion that the policy was unconstitutional. I was a board member of one of the organizations at the time, and I and one of the other VPs refused to sign on to the letter, which ultimately killed it. Um All of this is a very long way of saying that my most frightening observation while in law school was the students' inability to separate their beliefs, their emotions, and their politics from the law. Law is meant to be an objective system of rules. The legislature writes the laws. The judiciary interprets the laws. Basic civics, but it was a concept that eluded nearly all of my classmates. Any law that wasn't progressive or didn't align with their beliefs was automatically labeled racist or unconstitutional. And this frame of mind is only getting worse. I dare say it's even being encouraged. I spoke with the dean last year, and she told me that most of the students coming in say they are going to law school to, quote, fight for change. No one seems to be telling them that they're going into the wrong arena. The legal system is meant to perpetuate laws, not change them. Oh, Even lawyers don't understand basic civics. Guess I'll keep fighting this battle till I die. You probably will. Um, it's It's just... It's so scary and bizarre, you almost can't convey it without coming off as a nut. People in law school saying, don't you, don't you give me an argument that's opposed to what I believe? I won't hear it. And the dean not saying, whoa, wait a minute. We're not doing anything else till we have a serious chat about why we're all here. But no, they're getting the enormous checks from mom and dad or the loan company or whatever. So they say, yeah, yeah, I see your point. That's a good point. Yeah, okay. We'll call off the lecture, whatever, and the dollars keep flowing. And we keep churning out nutty ideologues who have no capacity for rationality. Well, Elizabeth Holmes here with my wolf, Balto. We're wearing matching black turtlenecks. Uh, I did paw stick him. He had wolf lineage, so I'm calling him a wolf. So there. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, final thoughts. There you go. Elizabeth Holmes. There's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Still on the streets. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo presses the buttons. He keeps us on the air. Michael, final uh, thought. Just real quick, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and so if you're cooking uh, dinner for your sweetie, get to the store now. There's a large selection of TV dinners still, oh. and uh, fried chicken is good. It comes with dessert. So, All right, good tip. Positive Sean, our producer, with a final thought. Yes, uh, continuing my effort to... Do things outside of my own apartment. I'm going to play a little bit of golf with some friends today. Hey, Looking forward go. to it. Oh, a lovely day you. for it. Yeah, enjoy yourself. An avid endorsement outside. Yeah, uh, yeah, well. Uh, Jack, some uh, final thoughts from you, please. My fourth grader was working on the time-honored tradition last night of putting together Valentine's Day cards for all his uh, schoolmates with a list of all their names and everything like that. He's trying to go by memory. 
When, when I was a kid, everybody was either a Mike or a Linda, or it was very easy to spell. Uh, all the kids in this class, everybody's got the funky spellings to be unique oh, and everything boy. like that. Very, very difficult. Can we just go with initials, please? Uh, let's, God, my final thought just flitted out of my head. Senior moment. Oh, my goodness. Was that, uh, 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 oh, you think you can right. find your way home today? If, if, Don- <laughs> if Donald <laughs> J. would just have somebody. Uh, I- 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 Ivanka. What's his wife's name? The, the cute gal from Europe. Mrs. Trump? Right. Somebody, anybody, just weed out like the 20% craziest of his tweets. His poll numbers would be 10% higher. Oh, yeah. He just ste- leave out that craziest one-fifth. He has, since the day he announced, stepped on his good news regularly for some reason. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Melania, my darling, how could I forget? So many people to thank. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> That's good. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? You're a dog-faced pony soldier. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.